Welcome to The Real Deal Podcast. I'm Matty Marshall. And before we get going here, today I have Todd Martinez in the studio. We are going to be discussing the new rule changes for the PSP here for 2015 that just came out today. I'd uh, like to send a big, huge shout-out and thanks to the sponsors of PBA, You know some of the prime movers in paintball, those paintball patrons we always talk about. Uh, obviously, Planet Eclipse, huge supporter of the sport and what we're trying to do over here with Paintball Access. Also, Key Action Sports with Empire Paintball, uh, GI, and Die Precision as well. So, so yeah, lots to talk about here today. Uh, Todd, a um, lot going on. And uh, we're going to hit the divisional stuff first, but just kind of just to lay it out for everybody, um, the three major changes on the pro side, we're going to get into this conversation um, you know, as always, anytime anything new comes out, you have your knee jerk reactions and everyone venting online. So I was able to read a decent amount of, uh, the thread on PB nation before we, we had to record this got to like eight pages before I, uh, we had to pull, I had to pull the trigger and just start recording the podcast. <clears throat> but, uh, well, we're gonna, like I said, we're going to give you guys the, the first, um, the, it's three major changes that are being introduced by the PSP uh, for the, the pro champs and challengers, and then there are some stuff on the divisional side of things. Um, just a full disclosure, me and Todd are both uh, old, salty, professional paintball players, so you're, you know, you're going to get our opinion on things, and this is, you know, uh, this is not... Um, you know uh, what we have to say about this is not sanctioned by the P- by the PSP. Uh, we don't technically. I know I'm the ho- we're the hosts of PBA, but uh, you know there's there's still some stuff in the air as far as rate of fire is concerned and all that stuff. So this is just two salty old pros sitting down with some microphones. Todd, you got something? We don't want everybody to do <laughs> what everybody thinks they're gonna do and freak out. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine, man. Everything is going to be fine. It always trips me out, though, at every year, is that it's regardless of how minuscule the change is, you have this giant online argument. All these people are freaking out. You guys, it's just ruining paintball. No, what's paintball going to What's going to happen to paintball? Paintball is just going to crash and burn. This is absurd. Like last year with the rate of fire stuff, dude. When it went from 12 to 10, and then people that have been listening to the podcast know my opinion on this, man. I've played all types of paintball, from slingshots to pump guns, the slide frame autocockers, to the whole electronic explosion, blah, 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 and... You know, at the last or at the beginning of last year, everyone was a lot, not everybody, but a lot of people were up in arms about how just 10.32, whatever, it's just going to ruin the game. The game is it's ruined. terrible. It's not going to be any fun anymore. I can't believe this. What is the PSP no doing? No fun. And what happened? It made absolutely no effect whatsoever. And we had some awesome paintball, as always. It's it's paintball, man. We're it's, still here. We're still here. Everything's Strangely fine. enough, everything's, everything's going to be okay. Everything's, everything's all right. Everyone that's out there that's super angry about. These these changes, um, everything's gonna be okay. Paintball will be around. It's gonna be fun still. But anyway, we'll get we'll we'll talk about everything. If you're still here. upset, just see me at the tournament. <laughs> I'll give free hugs every event. Anybody that needs a hug, come up. You know, if you want to cry on my shoulder about the rule changes, Todd loves to give free and get free hugs. You know, He's the rule changes hugs. from 2011. The rule changes from 2003. You know. <laughs> Just come up and just, well, we know, are just gonna, use my shoulder. I'm we here are, for you. We are going to talk a little bit about that today because, you know, when you kind of look at this, because it's almost, we're going to call this episode of the Real Deal Podcast Back to the Future because that's kind of what's happening right now. We're heading on to the future of the game, but we are bringing in some elements of paintball that I feel, this is just my opinion, um, have, it's a long time coming, man. Particularly, we'll start with uh, number one. We're, again, I want to kind of talk about how this affects the divisional ranks because, 
it seems like a lot of the animosity online uh, has been kind of focused towards the the change of the rate per second for the divisional ranks, and then the fact that the divisional finals, which really only affects two teams, um, well per division, are going to have to play on the main field. We'll get to that here, but so the three main changes, in case uh, you haven't been following the PB Nation thread or seen the press release on any other site from the PSP, is that they are changing the rate of fire uh, to semi-automatic. Uh, so it's not going to be ramp. It's going to be semi-automatic. We'll get to that in a little bit. Also, next big change. You are no longer going to get the, the pros are no longer, and this is just champs and challengers, they're no longer going to have the field layout to play for three weeks-ish before the tournament. They are going to show up on, at the event, at the site, and on Thursday, they're going to, the field's going to be opened up, and they are going to walk the fields there, and they have to figure it out, walk the fields, and then start the tournament. So that's the second big change. The third big change, other than rate of fire and the, uh, the field situation, is that there are, is no coaching now from the stands. So slowly but surely, the past couple of years, thank God, the PSB has slowly eliminated coaching from the game. Um, not, you know, like the Todd Martinez, I'm coaching vicious and I'm trying to, you know, help you guys out and guide you to wins type coaching. No, the sideline joysticking, which has been a huge, gigantic thorn in my side since it came out. I wrote an article for PGI when it came out called Kill the Coach, if that will give you any indication of what I think about coaching. We'll get to that more. Um, but first, the divisional stuff. So, uh, and again, this is all fresh, it just came out. And on the visual side of things, um, the rate of fire is going down from 12 to 10. And the, uh, the fields that are – so the field's going to come out three weeks before the event for the divisional side of things. And, uh, but then after that event, the, the pros, the field that's played on the pro side of things is going to be uh, – that's going to be the field that's played on the divisional side of things. And then also another big thing is that the field that the, divisionals, the divisional teams play um, – is, is not going to be the field they play in the finals, you know? So you're going to play that field on the divisional side of things, and then the teams, the two teams from each division that get to the finals are going to have a whole new field to play that's they haven't played yet. So those are the two seems to be, like, the real big sticking points. So, Todd, I'm just going to – you're shaking your head right now. I'm just going to throw it to you right now. Let's just get into it. Let's talk about it. What do you think? Divisional side of things changes. I'm with it. You know, I, I just – it seems that everybody always gets all mad because, uh, you know – there, there are changes made that makes the game harder and it makes the game uh, um, potentially more balanced, you know, more even. Okay, so, you know, starting going into the first event, um, you're going to get the layout three weeks ahead of time. Well, after, as soon as that first event's over, you're going to have the layout until the next event. So you could potentially have the layout for six weeks. You know, I think that that's, you know, if for the divisional players being able to play the field more or having more opportunities to play it, say it's out for six weeks, but, you know, they're only able to get their team together for three or, you know, two or three or four of those weekends, then, you know, that's what it is. Um, I mean, the pros have been playing this way for a long time now where, you know, even when the field comes out two weeks ahead of time, some teams have the budget to play it for every single day that it's out. Some teams only get to play it uh, for uh, those two weekends before the event. So, you know, the, I mean, it's going to make it harder once you get into the finals, but I mean, that just makes it to where, 
you know, you have to be better with your fundamentals. You have to showcase your talent uh, by stepping onto a field, reading it, and it's, you know, it's going to be who's ever playing the best uh, when it comes to step onto the finals field. But as far as preparation goes for the divisional teams, I mean, being able to have that layout all the way up into the event gives you a bigger advantage. And, I mean, it's going to be the opposite for the pros, but that's good because they're pros. That's, that's why they're pros. They have uh, excellent fundamentals, you know, excellent field reading capabilities. And, you know, I think it's going to make both levels uh, better. I think that, you know, with the divisional guys able to have the field more and the pros able to have the field less, I think that everything is going to be a lot more balanced. And I think it's going to be better for the sport. The balls per second thing for the divisional players doesn't really seem like a big issue to me because, I mean, since the inception of X-Ball, you know, which we now call, you know, the race two format, I mean, we started off with unlimited guns. Like you could basically shoot as fast as your gun could shoot, whichever gun you shot. Um, and then we went to 15 balls a second. Then we went to 13.3. Then we went to 12.5. Then we went to 10 balls a second. It was fine. You know, everybody shot the same. We played paintball. Some teams won, some teams lost. Nobody was like, I lost that game because I was shooting 12 balls a second <laughs> instead of 15. You know, that's just the way it is. You want to play 15 balls a second? Go to Canada. Well, I, <laughs> I yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. And, um, I just think that uh, I think that one of the big things with the divisional guys that are kind of a little bit up in arms in this, and I, and I can understand, I understand the, the logic of some of these things. Um, I do get it. One of the big things is that they're saying, and I'm trying, I, I copy and pasted a bunch of, so I'm, I'm reading this the the PB Nation thread. Some of it had some very, you know, some of it was like it's it's typical. Anytime the changes come out, you're going to have the people that are like, oh, good job PSP or good job whoever it is, whatever change is made, and then you're going to have the people who are like, this is terrible, it's ruining the game. I can't believe this is happening. I'll be surprised if the game makes it another year. I'm maybe exaggerating on that last sentence, but that's the tone always. It's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of how it is. Um, so I'm, so I copy and pasted a lot of these. I'm trying to find some of, some of these ones uh, out there, but. But essentially, you know, I, I do empathize with the the fun element, you know. So a lot of these guys, maybe they just got into the game a um, couple years they've been playing in the divisional ranks, and they're used to playing with 12 balls a second. And when the guns go slower, they're thinking, oh, my God. Like I, and this is kind of – I kind of almost, almost feel bad even admitting this, but when um, when back in the day uh, when, when, you know, I was first playing pro, we didn't wear face masks, you know. So it was just goggles, and it looked – so cool. You remember back in the day, right? Super cool. Right? You're just wearing goggles. You're not, there's no face masks. It's like the whole toughness element of it. And so the, you know, the high level guys, all the pros, they didn't wear face masks. Most of them didn't at least. And so, you know, it was kind of considered cowardly to wear a face mask. Uh, and, and it was like, it was called the $10,000 bounce. Cause if I get shot on my cheek, there's a much more bigger chance of that bouncing off my cheek than it is uh, off the plastic face mask that I have covering my cheek. So you're willing to take that shot in your mouth or the face with the potential that it could bounce off to get that $10,000 prize package if you win the tournament, right? And I remember thinking this when I was a kid. So I can empathize with some of these guys out there that are like, this is tearing the fun out of the game. I can't believe this is happening. It's terrible. It's tragic. It's terrible. It's, it's, it's a travesty. And... Uh, and so I was. I remember thinking to myself, I was like, "God, oh, so lame that we have to put face masks on when they were making us put face masks on." And I seriously considered for a day or two in my head, I was like, "Man, I don't even know if I want to play anymore. This is so lame, you know, like that we have to wear face masks." So I, I you know, a little. I'm sorry, I didn't even admit that. I feel bad, Todd smiling, but I, that 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 thought crossed my mind. So I can get where some of these guys are coming from. But now, 
being an old salty dickhead who I am now, I can totally look back at that younger guy and laugh at that dude and be like, wow, like really, bro? Like you were willing, you were willing to potentially quit something you were ultimately innately, insanely passionate about over something as stupid as a face mask because you thought it looked lame. Like the game is, it's bigger than that, you know? The, the draw, when I look back at that, the draw and the, the amazingness of the game is bigger than just whether or not we have to wear face masks, you know? Like there's more to it than that. So yeah, I put a face mask on, I kept playing and this was, you know, and then the rest is... And then like electronic guns came out and I realized that that was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was all about the half and the, mask yeah. and then the cut mask and the no mask and all of a sudden electronic guns came out and it was like... Wow, yeah, I'm not going to take face five times. <laughs> that would have been really triple bad. tapped in the face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm glad I have this trusty old face mask. Yeah, <laughs> so so I get it. I empathize with you. But when you realistically look at it, and you look at what happened with the pros last year when we went from 12 to 10, <sighs> nothing happened. Nothing. No, it was fine. Happened. It was not a big deal. Like, yeah, is it a little more fun to shoot 12 balls per, per step for 10? No. Yeah. Is paintball still really fun? Yeah. Paintball's fun regardless of what we're playing, man. Slide frame, autocockers, pump guns, yeah. machine guns, chainsaws. It definitely became a little bit more of a challenge, but hey, that's the game. They're playing with the same guns I'm playing with, so you know it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was my big thing is that and ultimately that that's what it was about. Now the new semi-auto rule does kind of change things on the pro side. We'll get to that in a little bit. The next big thing that um, that, w- that I, and again, I totally empathize with this. I can understand where you're coming from as far as the logic is concerned because a lot of the guys, and I've, again, I, I copied and pasted so many of these responses and I'm trying to find the exact ones without, you know, messing our flow up here on the podcast. But it's just so much of it that I'm trying to find like specific ones for the specific topics. But essentially, um, one of the ones was like, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense that a divisional team is going to pay a bunch of money to enter, pay a bunch of money to practice, practice on the same field for six weeks potentially, go into the prelims, play that field in the prelims, play through the semis, and then when they get to the finals, they have to go to a brand new field. Uh, again, the other team you're playing is doing the same thing. <laughs> well, yes, And that. we did this at World Cup for a couple years when we were doing – two teams play best two out of three to where the layout changed once we passed each, uh, like from semis to finals or quarters to semis, the field layout changed. So we did this in the pros. We've done this before. It's, this isn't just some brand new thing that we made up. You know, like this has happened before. The pros have done it, and it made the game interesting. You know, we play one layout, beat a team on that, best two out of three, day changes, field changes. It, it does add an interesting element to it. So from an entertainment standpoint, absolutely. Now, if you're that guy in the trenches, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of tough. You know, you feel like, oh, we got this layout down. That's why we're able to get there. But so what, man? I mean, this is paintball. You should, if you think you're really good, it doesn't matter what the layout is. You know, that's a crutch. That's an excuse. It's a crutch. Whatever metaphor you want to come up with that, I mean, you know, I was texting all day long today. My phone was just blown up with everyone like, oh, we think these changes and and uh, just conversating with everybody about everything. One of the guys, my, one, of, one of our buddies, Mike Jeffries, great paintball writer, comes out of the New England Hurricanes camp from the, um, from the Northeast, and uh, he's got a great paintball mind, um, loves the game, huge fan. And he was kind of saying, he was, he was really stoked about all these sorts of things, but we were kind of talking about that specific thing, and it reminded me of, of, uh, of when, you know, so again, back to the future, right? 
Dude, I remember at World Cup one year, the year we won in 2000, um, there was, I think, 10 or 12 fields there that year, 10-man. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we had to walk 10 to 12 fields, not one field, not play on the same field for three weeks straight, get every single thing down so that you're just it's just robotic out there. No, show up at the event and walk 10 to 12 fields and figure out, you know, because and some of them we were playing on for sure, some of them we didn't know if we were going to play on. We didn't literally have enough time from when we were there from sunup to sundown, every minute of sun we juiced to try to walk all these fields. And there was like one or two fields we didn't get to. And when you get there, the, it was top four. So you played three games for the finals. The finals wasn't two teams. The finals was yeah. you had to play three games yes. amongst the top the four finals. teams. Yes. So I could end up, you could end up, I think you played um, Aftershock on Airball 1. You played um, Avalanche on Airball 2. And then you played Ground Zero on the Hyperball field. Absolutely. That's totally the way it was. So it wasn't like you just beat every team on the same field over and over and over again. But that's paintball, the ability to master different terrain. That's what has got lost in the modern game, you know, is that this game evolved from a game of of deception, a game of aggression, a game of mental chess. Is this, this is, we're playing war in the woods, is gunfighting, all those different elements, and that all existed on a three-dimensional landscape in the woods. So for visibility, for the ability to 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 film it, all this to all these evolutions have happened in the you know since 1998 essentially um and then yeah so that year we went into the semifinals and uh and we had to play bob long's ironman on a field and something something happened so like a field had changed and we had to play him on this other field and we hadn't walked that field we hadn't seen a game played on that field so we had like five to ten minutes i can't remember exactly how long it was barely any time to go out to this field figure out what the hell we were going to do and then play for our lives and we ended up winning that game, you know. But it and, and and it's funny that looking back, that's one of the only games that I remember from that event was because it was such an interesting situation. It was like, oh my god, dude, we have to. We've never we haven't seen this field played. We haven't walked this field, and we're about to play Bob Long's Ironman. And we were SC Ironman. There, Bob Long's Ironman. It's a big game for us, and we haven't even haven't seen this field yet. And uh, so that was kind of interesting. So. You know, yeah, I, I can. I see where you're coming from. Also, that's that's from one side. The let's like let's just no bullshit. Look, call it like it is. Non cowardly side of paintball. Like you should be able to just do whatever it is, man. Whatever's put in front of you, if you think you're good at the game, like you should be able to rise to that challenge. So, and not only that, you're going to be able to check out the webcast and watch 24 professional games played on that field. There's 12 games a day, Friday and Saturday. So before any of those divisional teams step on there, they're going to be able to watch and scout and see what the pro teams did, what worked, what didn't before they step on that field. Again, that didn't exist back in the day. And, uh, and then also there's the infrastructural side of things. So, you know, the, one of the, I mean, when you look at how, you know, look, the PSP is not a, is not Red Bull. The PSP is not the NFL. I know it, it, people hit me up, text me all the time, hit me on my Facebook. They're like, oh, dude, bro, it would be so sick if we had like a cable cam. If we could get like a cable, you know, I like to have in the NFL. And I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> that you're right. That would be sick. However, in order to get a cable cam in for one day, that would be about $100,000. And we can't do that. You know, so just the pure infrastructural side of things, infrastructure for the PSP is that in order for them to broadcast those games and give those guys their divisional finals, their glory, those games have to be played on that main field. And we do not have the money or the time or the personnel to either A, set up a whole nother camera crew on a whole nother field so you can play your game on the same field that you've been playing on the whole time so you don't get screwed, quote unquote, 
or you can just go play where because just out of just base necessity where the cameras are so that you can do your sponsors right and people can watch you at home and your game can live forever online evergreen on youtube 20 years hopefully as long as the zombie apocalypse doesn't happen or you know the giant emp doesn't hit us there'll be a whole nerf fun <laughs> thing to talk about but so that's just the way it is man you know well you know another thing i just thought of right now is that like okay you're gonna go play on a different layout well all the teams that have been watching you play the entire event that have been scouting you that have watched you get to this and you know you're gonna meet up with that other team in the finals they're not going to be able to be like, oh, these guys go heavy to the snake with this guy. He goes to this spot. This guy does this. Like they, You have just as much of an opportunity as the other team to run crazy game plans that they've never seen before, you know, to, to come up with a new you know, offensive plan to, to hit somebody with that they're not going to be ready for because they haven't seen you do it for the past five games to get here. You know, I think that's, you know, another huge advantage for teams that are daring and aggressive things that make you a good paintball team, you know, uh, make you a good paintball player, you know, being smart enough to realize like, hey, you know, we can hit these guys with something that they've never seen before. You know, they better be ready for it. And, you know, it comes down to execution. I think that that's a, that's a really good point because that is definitely what this is about. It's a, you know, you, you are going to be heading onto a new field if you're in that divisional ranks. And, and honestly, who does this affect? This affects the two best teams. Those are the two teams that have fought their way and have earned the right to be in a position where, you know, they should be able to handle something like this. It's just a very cowardly thing for me to hear guys online. I just never looked at it that way. I never looked at it like I want the league to make this easier on me. I want the game, I want paintball to be easier. That was never it. It was, you know, what? Where's the battle? Where can I go prove myself? That's what I want. I want. I want that. You know, I'm, you're seeking the hardship on purpose because that is what defines you. Your ability to use your mind and use your teamwork with your boys. You've trained so hard. It's your tribe against this other tribe, and seeking out that hardship defines you. Not seeking out the easiest way or complaining when it's it, it, things aren't at the perfect streamline. Let's just make this as easy as possible. The guns will shoot really fast for you. You're going to play on the same layout the entire time all the way to the finals. Like, yeah, you know, like that's a little bit easier. But does that build a game that really highlights the true complete skill of a paintball player? I don't think it does. And that's why I'm really happy with the direction. Because I didn't honestly, like I didn't know if the – like when these rules came out, like I was – kind of shocked because I didn't think that the that the PSP was going to be down to make these big changes. These aren't easy changes to make. And there was also some, there was like some, one of the commentators on PB Nation's thread was about, you know, oh, this is bullshit. These dudes make these timid ass decisions. You know, these are not timid decisions. These are, these are tough ones to make. Like, think about, think about it, you know. Okay, yeah, the coaching side of things, like I never really, I didn't think we were ready to get to the level to take coaching out from dudes screaming in the stands. And and, and this and a lot of people are like, how are they going to force this? To be honest, I don't really know exactly how they're going to force it. They're obviously going to have people patrolling to make sure there's like no signs or codes being transferred because that's how, that's how it evolved eventually. It was like people were getting the stands and they'd whistle or yell certain codes. And, you know, the PSP doesn't want everyone to stay up there like it's golf, but they're going to have to figure out a way. And it's going to be a lot of trial and error. You know, it's going to take some time. Like, nothing perfect. This, this shit doesn't really happen right away, you know? Well, the key word, you know, that you used was evolve. You know, like, well, this is still a very, very young sport. You know, from starting with pump guns in the woods to getting to where we are now, 
um, you know, out in these open fields with inflatable bunkers and electronic guns. Like, we've only been playing this format since 2003, you know. And, yes, it has changed a lot. It's changed a lot since 2003, It's changed too. a lot over the past 10 years, you know, 11 years. But, I mean, every year, you know, the rule changes have been in an attempt to – make the game better you know you, you try different things you win some you lose some some things work some things don't you know in 2003 when they were like okay well we're gonna let you coach from the sidelines we're gonna let people yell you know i'm sure it wasn't like oh yeah we're gonna let people just joystick people down the field but it was just to allow crowd participation to make the game exciting to let people get into it to let the fans be a part of the game but you know watching it over the years and you know how some people take advantage of it with signs and whistles and a guy just standing right on the sideline saying pop up now shoot left now shoot right now you know i feel like it kind of took away some of the you know natural elements of the game of being able to make a sneaky move on somebody without somebody yelling at you that he's coming and i think that you know maybe kind of finally realized that you know we're taking away you know, the abilities of, you know, some of the game's greatest, most dynamic players uh, to entertain the crowd with those moves. And I think it's a good time to finally be like, all right, no more coaching, telling people exactly what to do from the sidelines. You're probably still going to be able to yell and scream and cheer, but no, you know, ruining, you know, no, we don't want the, the people in the crowd to change the outcome of a game by saying he's coming, he's going, look left, look right, do this, do that. I got a perfect example of that. And I was talking to John Dresser who runs PB Nation. John, longtime player, played at high levels. Um, he knows the game. He was talking to, to Dan Napoli, who's the creator of the roster series and does all the stuff for uh, Planet Eclipse, one of our big sponsors. And, uh, you know, you know, love Dan, love John. And they had a really good point. You know, he was talking about how and it was it was kind of it was another thing about how, you know, the culture of the sidelines has evolved to have the screaming parents, to have the people just going completely batshit insane and how it wasn't like that back in the day. And he was he had brought up, he was like, dude, he was there when Rocky, you know, one of the birth one of the moves that birthed modern paintball was, you know, the the move that's been immortalized in in push where Rocky did the jump over the snake, shot Davy, um, and then ended up, you know, murdering everyone on that side. You know, everybody knows that move, right? You know, remember that move? Yeah, I was in the dead box. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I sat that game. So, but I so I got a great view of it on the sidelines. Had I not got shot on the break though, and you was in the game, we'd have had that. Oh, guy. damn. Yeah. So uh, back to the future. Yeah, back to the future. So, so, so Rocky made that move, and Dan had said to John, he was like, "Dude, if I had said something like, yeah, go get him, Rocky, or something on the sidelines, I would have got lynched on the sidelines by all the guys that were watching because it just wasn't kosher, man. You just didn't talk on the sidelines." And again, you know, it's a little bit different with the fans because we don't want to like completely, we want to take the fun out of it. None of this is to take the fun out of it. It's just to try to create the best environment possible for the best players in the world to do their thing on a skill-based system as much as we possibly can with some sort of rules, you know? I'll give you a perfect example. The the year in Phoenix um, when we did the the tournament and the, I think it was like one of the very first events. I want to say it was like 2008, one of the very first events that we were keeping stats, you know, like kind of on the low, but, you know, started working with the stats. And Phoenix. There was that it was Phoenix. In Phoenix. And yeah. then you're up in that tower yeah. with the bleachers. When everyone volunteered their time. But the uh, bleachers were elevated and far enough off the field that you couldn't really do that. You couldn't really just stand there. And, you know, because now, like, you know, the, the sideline is 
10 feet away from the bleachers at all times on ground level, yeah. you know, at that event, you know, not on purpose, but just, you know, just by chance that, you know, the, the sideline was 25 feet away from the bleachers and 10 feet up in the air. You couldn't just tell somebody pop up now, shoot this now. And it was great. Yeah. And so when I went, but it was funny because when John was telling me that, uh, I was like, yeah, you're right. That is how the sidelines were. Cause John was right there. Dan was right there. I was right there. None of us remember us being there at the time, but we all collectively shared that moment. But I thought, okay, well, what if, uh, what if somebody had, what if the coaching was allowed at that time and somebody told Davey, Davey, he's coming. And Davey comes up and trades out with Rocky and shoots Rocky on like what could be one of the most definitive paintball moves ever made. Cause Pat Spore was there to capture it for his iconic paintball documentary. And then now that move never happens. And a legion of paintball fans never saw what was possible out of a front guy, which is why Rocky Cagnoni's paintball famous forever, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what we're talking about. It's like, and I know that the, the PSP is, a, a, that's not how it existed last year, but still it's, you know, talking to a lot of the pros on the coaching side of things is they always feel like, man, it's always in the back of your head. It's always in the back of your head that if I, if I launch to go do a move, that somebody is going to give my move away. And so it keeps the game from being the aggressive beast that it can be. Uh, and also, you know, even, and even with the, the, the semi-auto stuff, you know, it's like a lot of these posts were just, you know, just kind of like, oh, well, uh, this isn't really going to change anything. And, and you know, and, and also I got to say this, this is another big thing too. Dude, we've collectively, you and I have seen so much change in the game. It's always been fun. It's always been hyper-competitive. It's always been an adventure, and it's always been this like this beast of of a thing that was amazing to do, regardless of whether Bob Long was standing on the sideline, joysticking his little Filipino minions, shooting twenty two balls a second, <laughs> chainsawing people in half, or whether it was a pump gun tournament that I played, or whether I played in the canyon with my buddies. You know, like it's always going to be fun in its own way, and it's different types of fun, obviously. But I think that's another thing that people need to keep in mind that that's why every year when this happens. And I seem to always have these conversations every year when changes get made, and it's always still fun. It's always still competitive. It's not going to crazily change the game. But these particular changes, I think, are a long time coming, particularly the coaching thing. That is – I know it's it, it, it had evolved the past couple of years to kind of take that out of the game. Because first, the first thing to go was pit coaching, right? Well, the very first thing to go was the coach standing right on the sidelines, like yeah. literally – Standing joystick. on the spectator sideline. Yeah, the spectator sideline in – Inside the, the nets, on the field. Yeah. So that was the, that was the first thing to go, and then the next thing to go was pit coaching, and then the next thing to go was sideline coaching, front, right right on the nets, on the spectator side, and then. But this last season, you could just hear the, you know the melee coming from everybody of whistles and you know the signs and all this crazy stuff. And your one friend with the big voice. Yeah, you always <laughs> get the one really distinguishable voice. Put them up in the stands so they can yell Omaha. Squirrel, <laughs> Apple, whatever <laughs> crazy ass code you guys came up with for whatever it is. Um, so those all, you know, those things going away, like, yeah, is it going to be hard to police? Yeah, it is going to be hard to police. It's not going to be easy. Hopefully the fans will help with that. You know, I mean, if you, if you're worth the shit out there and you realize what's at stake, you won't be that loud, drunk hassle in the stands being that dickhead that has to get yelled at. You well, know? the fact that they said that, you know, people coaching from the sideline will be shot on site, you know, <laughs> should really kind of deter people, you know, as the bodies get drug off <laughs> behind the, behind the booths. Yeah. That's so, not really happening. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's a not really going to happen, but it's still an interesting visual. Um, but you will be killed. 
So, uh, so yeah, I, I think a lot, the coaching thing has seemed to got the least amount of, uh, of ire up by everyone. Everyone seems pretty stuck on the rate of fire. That seems to be a big deal for yeah. everybody. The big thing for me as far as the coaching from the sideline is those games that where it gets super tight, you know, where you got two evenly matched teams, two powerhouse teams going up against each other. It's a low-scoring game, and it's a three-on-three, three, you know, or it's a two-on-three. And a guy has a move to break that game open, you know, maybe down bodies, and he makes that move, and then somebody else, he's coming and ruins the move. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, these the in-game, end-game uh, for all these highly talented teams is just going to be so much better that, you know, you're not going to have these uh, deadlocked points where people are just sitting in spots not knowing what's going on but have uh, a person 10 feet away from them on the other side of the net saying, just sit there and don't die right now. <laughs> You know, instead, you got to figure it out if you're bold enough to try and, you know, come up over the top, look around, try and figure out the situation. You know, it's going to force people to do the number one most important thing, which is communicate with your teammates to try and put strategy together when you're in those situations. Like, you know, just having somebody do it for you. I mean, it's like taking a math test. You know, and just having somebody read you off the answers and you just writing numbers down on a page. If you didn't figure out how to get those equations done, you're never and you're not any better at math than you were when you started. You got an A, but you know, you don't know anything about math. It's not about the grade, it's about the process. Yeah. It's not about the grade, it's about the process. And and that that has actually been a you know, a legitimate argument made by some of the people online. They're saying, Well, okay, well, why don't you just make that some of the people have gone so far to say, All right, cool, we like this, but why don't we make that semi auto for everybody? You know, because then that will help the divisional players in their you know, they're gonna have to it forces them to learn, it forces them to become better at the game. No coaching, semi auto guns. Okay, well that means there's some skills out there, communication and actually shooting your gun to effect. That is that's big, right? But Again, it's the same thing with the whole divisional con- uh, conversation uh, about the finals game. Where, like, let think about this from an infrastructure, you know, perspective, dude. The P- again, the PSP is not the NFL. They're not getting paid a billion dollars from Directv per year to, you know, have their content on there. They don't have tons of money to just throw at problems. And so, just like the only way to to, to institute these new changes and have. The divisional guys be able, you know, to to compete on the webcast, which is the best thing that could happen to them because it gives their sponsors more exposure. They can now have their their battle documented forever. They'll live online forever because everything that happens on the other divisional field, if you didn't hire a team or hire some media guys to come film you, that is that's gone, dude. It, it exists only in your mind as a memory, and that's it. Which is my whole mission here with PBA. The reason why I'm here, the reason why I'm doing this, is because the best things that me and my close friends and brothers did fighting you, you yourself included fighting our way through to create this modern game most of it lives in oblivion it lives just in our minds alone as a bit of myth that's it if we were sitting here right now saying the game should have never left the woods we should be playing with autocockers and 114 cubic inch tanks you know would we have been able to enjoy any of the things that we've enjoyed over the past 15 years you know, well, saying how the game has changed and all the, the the athletes that we've seen come through, the fun, you know, of enjoying the, ga- the, the, the game, how it has been over the past 15 years. No, I mean, it wouldn't even be nearly as fun. You know, things have to change for us to figure out what's the best way to go. And you and I both love woods ball, but it is a, a fool that's, that stands in the way of evolution and progress. Like, there's that just never wins, man. You know, like, 
that's not how life is. That's not how the world works. Like things just progress forward. So you either embrace the change and work with it. Um, and that's another thing too that kind of really gets me is a lot of these guys that are like, why do they keep changing shit every year? It's like, dude, dude this has been changing constantly for since I began playing, man. Like in 94, bro. Like it's literally hasn't changed. We haven't had a year of some sort of change or or two-year period without there being a major change in 20 years. And that's because of the natural just evolution of technology, that natural evolution of skill, the national or the 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 natural evolution of a sport in which the desire of the people that run the sport and the people that play it to for that thing to actually be captured in a way that other people can learn from and be entertained by the people that are doing it at its highest level, it's problematic to film anything in the woods. It's very, very difficult. I love the woods. I'm the biggest woods ball fan ever, and I know you are too. Mm -hmm. We're all about that, but it is incredibly difficult. So kind of what I was talking about with the same thing with the, with the rate of fire change, it's like, it's, it would be really, really hard for the PSP and very expensive for them to have a situation where, okay, they're making this change semi-auto for the pros, champs and challengers, because they feel that that will add more of a skill element into the game. Is that going to be hard to police? Yeah, we can get to that in a second. But the point I wanted to make was that in order for the PSP to take this to every single field, you literally have to hire a bunch more people, and there would have to be whatever uh, uh, technological uh, devices they're using to test these guns. That would have to be all the way down, all every single division, every single field. You'd also have to have people on the sidelines. So if they took the co- no coaching and no and semi-auto thing all the way down to every division, that's a very expensive, incredibly hard to police. It's, I mean, it's going to be hard to police alone on two fields, let alone every field. You know, so that's just a little. That's just people not. That's people living in fantasy land asking too much of a organization that's not the NFL, that's not Major League Baseball. You know, and obviously, you know, nothing set in stone. You know, I'm sure you know a while back, and we're sitting here looking at all these people that some guys are, had 22 ball a second guns and some guys uh, are still sitting there shooting 10 ball a second guns. I'm sure everybody got together and were like, we need to make this uh, more fair, more even. And, you know, that's probably when they came up with, all right, well, then let's do ramping. Let's do full auto, which was tried for a couple years, you know, maybe a year. You know, we, we tried fully automatic where you just hold the trigger, you know, and that obviously wasn't a good idea when, you know, went away with that right away because, you know, you saw a lot of people just running to the corner with their eyes closed, <laughs> with their full auto trigger held down and just blasting away. You know, people in the parking lot were just getting smoked down. But, you know, hey, you know, we, we've, we've played semi-auto for a long time. We've played ramping for a long time. And right now, if they feel that, you know, going back to semi-auto with the level of talent in this league is going to make it more difficult uh, to win, you know, to make it where it's, you know, more skill and talent will be involved in winning paintball games, then I'm down to give it a try. You know, I, I agree. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's been played a lot of different ways. And there was another one that was on there that somebody had said, um, on, on uh, PB nation's thread that it was like, you know, there's no, you can make the argument. There's never really been true. This is ridiculous. They're never going to be able to enforce it, and there's never really been truly semi-auto with electronic guns. Bullshit. I know because I played with a truly semi-auto electronic gun for years. I remember the year that the Ridiculous Guns came out, 2003, World Cup. I had played that whole season with a single-trigger Matrix. 
Me and Yosh had single trigger matrixes. So we didn't even have double trigger. We couldn't even walk the trigger. So we're playing with slingshots out there when Bob Long's Ironman dudes are running around, or assassins are running around with those intimidators just shooting laser beams. You remember that Cutting year. trees down. Just, yeah, just cutting people in half with these things. And I remember that World Cup that year, um, I got a DM4 that had the Aggie board in it. And then that thing was shooting 22 balls a second, man. So I went from shooting eight balls a second probably to shooting 22 balls a second. And I remember going up to the Bobby, uh, Bobby's dudes, I can't remember who I was talking to him. I'm like, I don't know how the hell you guys didn't win every single game this year. They almost did. They did win a lot of games. They uh, were really that good. year, I was on Aftershock, and you know, I went through a bunch of different guns. And Ronnie Simpkins was good friends with Bob Long. And Ronnie Simpkins always had dope intimidators too, right? And one game, I was running out there. I'm like, oh, I need a gun. I need a gun. Ronnie Simpkins is like, here, Martinez, take this gun. I was like, all right, cool. We're playing trauma. I will never forget. Like, these things just stick no, out in my no mind. No one will like, ever forget I can when see you get this. that first gun. Yeah, I can see this just clear in my mind. I grab this gun, and I turn around and shoot. And we're shooting that white evil ball with the bright pink fill. And I shot two dudes before they even took two steps out of the, out of the flag station. I mean, just chopped these dudes in half. I just stopped and looked at my gun like that just happened. And then just chainsawed my way up to the X, chainsawed the other three dudes in half. And I was like, this isn't fair. How come everybody on our team doesn't have these? Um, I, I just, why? what is this? I want this yeah, all the time. But, it, but you know what? As, as fun as that was, and again, it's all fun. It's been Even with the singer, single frame uh, matrix that I had that year, it was still fun. Um, but I, I I remember thinking after that I was like this is this is this is a different paintball man mm-hmm. this is a whole different level of paintball now that we have these guns that literally are shooting twenty two balls a second literally a rope of paintballs yeah. coming out of my gun I mean if you've never shot one of these guns find one of your homies that has like an old school tricked out gun from ten years ago and just let them or, or get your gun to go shoot 20 by the, the modern guns will do it but the you know they got the governors on them but dude it's a whole nother world but it was uh I, but i also remember but it wasn't safe and um and you know we didn't you know we're stupid and paintball players so we didn't think too much about it but i remember when mr U, pete utchig who's a firefighter in new york and one of the toughest dudes i've ever met i've literally seen him run headlong into a, a big group of Yugoslavian mobsters in Europe and f- pick a fight with every single one of them. Like, that's how tough that guy is. He ended up getting knocked unconscious, and it was a gnarly <laughs> story. But, um, but he had, you know, I mean, when, when he's saying, like, dude, we, we've got to regulate this because somebody's going to get killed. You know, like, somebody's going to get hurt. It's going to be bad. And so and that's kind of one of the things that's out, out there. Like, we don't know where the PSV is going to cap this, if they're going to cap it. Um, but, but, the, but the semi-auto argument itself I really think that is is a cool thing because what that's going to do is, you know, shooting lanes off the brake with a sustained uh, high BPS, high balls per second. Running and shooting is huge. And, you know, even getting a stream to control a lane, you know. I mean, those are those are talents. It, and not everyone can, can get their, their fingers to get coordinated to shoot those. So the guys that can do that, regardless of their size or their speed, that's going to be an advantage for them. And, uh, and the fact that they have to do that and the gun won't do that for them, I think is a good thing because that adds another level of skill. And I think when you're adding another level of skill to the game, I think that's, I think that's awesome. So, but again, we don't know. I, I, like, I can't tell anyone out there exactly where, you know, if they're going to cap it or not and where it should be. I mean, I think that, 
you know, it could be capped at the same. You know, it could be capped at 10 something. Um, maybe it'll go to 12. I, I don't think it'll go any higher than 15. I don't think that, that, that they'll do that. But it, and then another thing, too, is a lot of people are like, oh, it just seems like the PSP is just pulling this shit out of their hat. Like, these dudes are just coming up with these rules. They don't even play paintball. It's like, dude, the guys that are making these decisions, like, they, they play they've they played paintball at incredibly high levels they ran paintball companies they, these dudes are not complete these these guys are smart dude they don't they're not just randomly deciding shit and playing like spin the wheel on rules you know like and, and this is their business you know so they're not going to make decisions that they consciously feel are going to hurt the customers that are coming to play in their business um, so yeah so it's with the, with the rate of fire thing it's like I don't know where it's going to be capped at. Um, and I, and also apparently the PSP, I didn't get the full story, but apparently they got in touch with all the guys that make the boards and the guns from these different manufacturers to, to talk to them, to figure out if this is something that could be re- uh, regulated and then where to regulate it. So maybe that's a conversation that's still ongoing and then maybe we'll hear some more information about it. But I still think the fact that, that guys are going to have to earn their shots out there, I think is a good thing. And also, you know, some people are saying like, well, maybe that's going to slow the game down. I don't think so, man. Because I think it's going to speed it up, dude. Because think about it: if like if you're not getting a ton of paint in your face, and or a guy's not able to put, a, and you can control him in a gunfight, like what are you going to do? If you're good, you're going to make a move, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to. I don't think it's going to slow it down at all. I think it's going to speed it up. I think that you know if they increase the the cap to twelve balls a second, twelve and a half balls a second, I think that'd be fine. You know, um, would you go higher than that? I wouldn't go higher than that. You know, fifteen balls a second. If anybody can go home and dial their guns up to 15 balls a second, 15 balls is a laser beam. You know, we're playing at 22, 23 balls a second. That is insane. You know, just 15 balls a second was so fast. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. You know, going to semi-auto and increasing uh, the cap on the balls per second, I think would be cool. You know, if it was semi-auto but still 10 balls a second, you know, I might not like that so much, but... I think 12. I think going semi-auto, I think it'd be definitely okay to go up to at least 12. I think so, too. Um, but I think a lot of it's going to come down to what they can reg- regulate. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, we went to the, the Smart Parts Open tournament. You know, what was that, 2008 as well? The TV show one? The TV show one where we went out to... Uh, I think that was that was earlier than 2008. 2006? Yeah, I think it was 2006. Okay, so before that event, it was at the Mohegan Sun yep. out there in... Uh, Connecticut, um, before the event started, the eight teams that were there had to go to the tech booth and they put a board in your gun. That was for sure semi-automatic. Like if you changed your board after that, then you were uh, kicked out of the tournament. So, I mean, if they ended up having to do that, then yeah, it's, it's, it can be easily regulated. Well, I think that honestly, they need to just have some crazy, like cut your head off penalty. Like if you end up getting caught with a cheating board, then you get kicked out of the league for a year. Something that's just an, some sort of punitive measure that will that will keep dudes from wanting to ride that line. Yeah, you know, because if it's just like if it's minor, if it's just like oh, you get kicked out for the tournament or you get kicked out for that game, then it'll give that you know incentive for guys to ride that line. But if it's really a hardcore penalty and it's really not that big of a deal, because you know you can't shoot twenty two balls a second. And back in the day, it was a big deal, but now. You know, I mean, if, if they do cap it at 12, like, what's the advantage you're going to get, you know? So it's not worth it to do that, and I think that that would make sense. Yeah, uh, it's got to be something something pretty harsh. What do you think? Cut off your pinky toe? I thought you were going to use another P word other than pinky toe. 
cut off um, your purple nose hairs. <laughs> purple nose hairs, huh? Damn, I didn't know that it existed. So yeah, so um, so that's the the rate of fire issue, uh, dude. I don't know, it's, people make way big too big of a deal. I, this is just my opinion again, and and I do empathize with the guys that are talking about the fun element of it. But I just, especially the conversation I had la- had to have last year, and some of them were on this podcast about dudes that were up in arms about the whole rate of fire thing, like, and then it just ended up being zero of an issue. Yeah, nobody year. was complaining about it at World Cup. What's up? I said nobody was complaining about it at World Cup. Yeah, you know, by the end of the year. Yeah, uh, it was, nobody cared. Other than it just being okay, maybe it, maybe it is more fun. Yeah, okay, you know, but really, is it doesn't change the game that much? No. Another issue that a lot of people brought up about the rate of fire on the divisional side was that there still is this, and I, you know, I'd, I'd honestly be really, I hope, and if anybody has this information, send it to me, is that the the argument is that you have the rate of fire, if it if it's higher, that you actually, the the points will go, go shorter and you'll shoot less paint with a higher rate of fire, as opposed to the conventional thinking that if we're shooting ten instead of twelve. That shooting ten will save paint. I I mean I, I mean just I I guess I, I you know obviously hey man I, I love alternative theories on things so if somebody can send me some info some like concrete information some evidence that shooting twelve more paint per second is going to save your shaking your head I just don't see it though to me <laughs> if you're shooting ten if you combine like how much you sh- you shoot your gun to practice like at practice. Get, dialing your gun in, and then in, and then in the tournament itself, like all those factors combined, every second you're shooting your gun, I just still think that unless somebody can send me some info otherwise, like I still think ten is going to shoot less than twelve. Yeah, by all means, if if anybody has the stats on that, let me know. But you know, if your gun is shooting ten, or if your gun's shooting twelve, but you suck at shooting people on the break, it's not really going to matter for you anyway. <laughs> so. Somebody's going to get to their bunker, and then you're going to shoot 10 balls at them and miss them all over the place. You might shoot 12 balls and miss them all over the place. but Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so with the rate of fire, uh, what did we say? Did we cover everything? We got rate of fire, um, coaching, field. and the field layout thing I think is pretty cool. I like the – we haven't talked about the field layout for the pros. You know, We haven't talked about that. Like – so now, you know, in the pro division, the pros don't get to see the field until Thursday. Show up at 11 a.m., fields open, all the pros, champs and challengers division. You show up and you no know more everybody's been out there playing the field for the past two weeks. You know, it, some teams like uh, Houston Heat or Moscow Red Legion, you know, the teams that are just fully funded pro teams that fly out to the event two weeks ahead of time and play the layout for 14 days in a row is no longer going to happen. Um, you know, before when the field layout was let out several weeks ahead of time, you know, some people would play it a couple weekends. Some people would play it every weekend. Some people didn't have the paint, the budget, um, the, the, to fly people in to be able to play it that often. But the teams that did really had the advantage or the teams that all lived local, you know, had the advantage because they could get together and they could play it a lot. Now, the emphasis is going to be far more on fundamentals, you know, just being able to run and shoot. We're not, we're going to go to practice and we're going to work on snap shooting. We're going to work on running and shooting. We're going to work on communication, uh, being aggressive. Um, just those situational paintball, not just, okay, on this layout, this guy turns here, shoots this lane, goes here, you know, like it's going to be way better for, um, seeing, you know, who's really, 
been working on their fundamentals and who is good at showing up, reading a field and coming up with game plans on the fly. I mean, last year, you know, as a, as a coach, well, I guess all the years, you know, that I've been a coach now, you know, I'll go to the practice, the first practice, and, um, I'll come up with a set of game plans and go to the next practice and play somebody else or play ourselves. And well, the first set of game plans, that's out the window. You know, and now I got another week to go home, think about it, show up to the event, see the actual layout. And usually those game plans, those go out the window too. Mm -hmm. And then, so we have our meeting, you know, Thursday night to get ready to go play. And then Friday morning, all those game plans are out the window as well. You know, so it's like, I just had two weeks, you know, and a bunch of different things to think about, people to talk to, to go, okay, you know, well, this worked for us, this worked for us, this didn't work because we were shooting bad paint at practice, we were playing this team and they were cheating a lot, you know, but this guy had a good day on this. Like, now it's going to be who shows up, who is confident in their skills, and who uh, believes that they can just show up and execute, you know, without having done something a million times. I, I love it, man, because I think it's it, it creates a much more dynamic. All of this honestly creates the fact that you have to get your gun going yourself, that you there's no screaming from the sidelines uh, to be able to deter you from making moves, and the fact that you are not going to be able to practice a bunch on a field that is going to kind of open up. If a guy figures out a move out, a mo- figures out a move, and other guys don't know that move yet, or a team has got it together, like. That is going to, it's just, it's going it, to, again, it throws me back to what a tournament was. You know, back then it was, what I loved about the game was the challenge of it. You had to show up, you had to master those fields. You didn't get to practice them before. You were good at paintball and your boys were good and you felt like confident in your team, but you showed up and it was like you had to really step up on many, many levels, mental, physical, your skills, the tactical side of things, all that came into effect. And, and it's, I think it's going to actually put more weight on the coaches you know, the skinny Kevins, the Kevin Brethauers, the Jason Trojans, U of U coach, whoever, whatever, it doesn't matter, Bart Yakmek, the dudes that are coaching, it, you no longer can go and have the luxury of three weeks of practice to figure a field out. You got to go walk that field and figure out what's going to work then, right then, and then try it out. And if it doesn't, and, but, but what that does is create, if you're watching or playing, really, I mean, it just, it creates a, there's a, it's, it's a more um, chaotic, creative mentality that's out there and I think it's gonna be really fun to watch I think it's gonna be really fun to play um and I really like it you know I think that that's that's more again it, these these changes are more about making it a more pure game and making it more entertaining you know so and I think those are I think that's it's gonna be interesting but you as a coach I mean, what do you think about that because that's to me it seems pretty blatantly obvious man yeah no I, I think that the coaches just became more valuable you know the guys that were able to go in there read a field um willing to take chances and, you know, just have an understanding of what it's like to uh, go out there and come up with game plans on the fly. You know, it's like, it's like making adjustments in game, even if you had played the field for two weeks in a row, but then you're playing a good team that takes away your first option. You have to be able to make adjustments, you know, and all that stuff is just going to happen so much faster now. And, you know, like over the years, you watch, you go out to the events and, you know, especially now with the webcast, some guys won't even come out to the field. They'll stay in their hotels, watch the webcast, watch other teams play. You know, not a lot of teams are out there watching every game doing their homework. And I think that's going to be that much more important now as well, because it's easy if you've played the field for two weeks to be like, well, I know what I've done in practice. I know what I'm confident in. 
you know, I'll watch a couple good teams play. Most of the guys are doing the same thing that I'm doing. I just have to do it better. You know, I always hated like when you'd play a good team in practice and then you do a move that nobody thought of. Then you get to the event and they're playing before you and somebody runs your move and you're like, that dude stole my move. You know, yeah, now, that was definitely it. You know, now like that's not going to happen. You, you know, you have to be there every game. You may see something in the morning game where normally that you would have slept in and maybe watched on the webcast and not seen it or uh, just not seen it at all because you weren't there. And now it's like, oh, that's that's possible. OK, I can do that. You know, I can pull that one out or, you know, you're watching games all day and you're like, nobody's used my move yet. You know, I'm going to hold on to it until I really need it. You know, it's I, I I love the fact that, you know, it's going to be so much less predictable. You know, I think that people are going to which have, is really exciting though. Yeah, like that makes me want like that makes me excited to go call the first the first event that much more. Yeah, because it, it also adds a layer to the story of every day even more than existed before. I mean, before it was Friday. All right, who showed up prepared? Who done their homework? And who had mastered that field as much as it could be Mm -hmm. and you could see that the first day and then and then and the second day was all right who had made the adjustments and then how's everyone you know first day you get two games how's where does everyone sit second day okay now we're going to decide who's going to be playing relegation who's going to be playing in the semifinals and now it's you add in the other layer of the tactical side of who has mastered this field so you know, for commentating and, and just pure fandom, just watching, like, I, I'm pretty excited because it adds a whole nother layer. Yeah, I think people may end up having to, like, trying to make more adjustments. You know, like, you look at it two ways. I, I think that people will end up trying to make more adjustments on the fly than usual as opposed to, uh, well, we know that this works and we just didn't execute it, so let's go do it again. I think people would be like, we tried that, but that didn't work. And then, okay, well, let's try this. This did work. Um, and then, well, let's try that again. Oh, it didn't work again. You know, like I think it's teams are going to be, you know, coaches and players, captains going to be looking at each other. Like, you know, it's going to be way more difficult to, you know, try and, you know, make those adjustments and be confident in what you're doing, you know, or you can look at it like, okay, well, we, are we going to be better off if we come up with our one game plan and try and run that one game plan no matter what, you know, whether it's working or it's not working because we think that it's the safest thing to do. And we need to actually, I mean, like now when everybody plays the field for two weeks, everybody has their, their base game plan down, which you're not going to have now going into the event that, you know, like this is our bread and butter play. Like I always hear dynasty talk about their bread and butter play. You know, you're not going to have that bread and butter in your pocket when you show up. So, you know, you're going to want to go out there and, are you just going to want to try and say, okay, well, let's let's try this. We think this is our one best game plan. Let's try and run this, and let's try and run it. And run. Are you going to keep running it? You know, is it working or not? Before, I, I like, I don't know. That's what's so interesting, though, because it's also when you go when you really kind of break it down, and then it's going to be the the will of the player too, or and the will of that team. Is that an aggressive team? Because I know like Diamond Shane's going to be like, oh, let's 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 run it, Daddy. Let's get him up to the center. I mean, he's going to be all about some crazy aggressive play. You know, where some of the other coaches maybe won't, they'll be scared to try that right away. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, can that all of those questions, it's basically like the the viewer at home and the people watching, whether that be the other pro teams or whoever it is, they're literally going to watch the evolution, the stuff that you normally would have been lost. It's just the only way you would know how that evolution of playing that field happened is if you were out at the the, uh, practices watching them. But the evolution of how to play a field is going to happen live now for you to watch. Yeah. What works, what didn't, who decided to play aggressive, who didn't, who's brave, who's not. 
you know, all of that is now going to happen live in front of you. Yeah. And I think that's a really, that's a really cool thing, you know? Well, you know, when you're at practice and somebody hits you with a move that you've never seen before, and then that's what makes you stop and practice and go, oh, okay, well now we need to figure out how to stop that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, when the two minutes goes up and then you are you're running, your players are running back into the pit and they're like, Hey, this dude just ran over here. You know, you're wondering, is that guy going to do it again? You know, you're not like, okay, well, how do we stop that? You're not like, okay, well, we know how to stop that. You're like, how do we stop that? Are they going to do it again? They may yeah. not run it again. And then you're just sitting there looking for it. You know, you're able to create that mental edge by having the versatility in changing your game plans up with stuff that people have never seen before. You know, if you're looking at a field layout and just say generically you have a snake play, a center play, and a Dorito play, you know, then you can kind of, if you've played the field 200 times, then you can kind of be like, okay, well, if they're stacking up three bodies on the Dorito side, they're probably going to do a Dorito play. Mm -hmm. And if they do that, then this is what we know we need to do in order to stop that and counter that. But now it's like, okay, well, they may do something that you just never even seen before. You didn't know how to prepare for it. You didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, it comes down to the skill of recognizing what's going on, the skill of your players to be able to stop that. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's going to be great. I mean, it's just, there's so many different things that could happen now. It's going to be so much less repetitive. It's not just we've played this a million times. Now we just have to show up and execute. And it's just, a, you know, a, a gear game and a mental game, you know, to where, like, did we show up to play or not? Because, we know how to win on this field. It's, do we know how to win on this field? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, that's the element that makes me like, all right, well, now we have to be mentally prepared because we, we came to win. Uh, we're mentally prepared to accept the challenge that we don't know uh, every which way things could play out. And we have to be comfortable with accepting those things and making adjustments on the fly. Well, and also you could kind of argue it both ways, which I think is interesting as far as who this gives more of an advantage to. Um, the teams that have the ability to fly to play other really good teams, to spend a bunch of money on practice to fly other guys in, they're not going to be able to master the field the way they did before. However, those teams are also stacked with veterans who have won, who are really good at playing, you know, freestyle paintball. And so you could kind of look at it from both ways. Like, yeah, they're not going to be able to, to – I mean, obviously you still need to practice – um, but they're not going to be able to master the field. But they have all these really awesome players, so it's, they're still going to have an advantage out there. But it is going to help out the teams that don't have the ability to play the field hardcore against another really good pro team and figure out every nuance of the field for three weeks in a row. Yeah, you know. So I think it, I think that's a good thing. Uh, and have some sort of idea like, oh, well, X Factor likes to do this. You know, well, I saw the Russians play, and they like to do this. You know, you never know. Yeah, you're it's going to be. It's going to be way harder. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be way harder. And then another thing that I thought was interesting uh, when I was talking to John Dresser again, we had, I was going to bring this up here to talk to you about, and he had brought it up. The fact that he had brought it up, I was like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And he, he was basically, he's like, I wonder if this is going to send uh, practices instead of for the, you know, for the pros practicing what the field layout is to be more of a drill-centered, situational drills practice. 
because that's really the best you could do. You know, I mean, you're not. Gonna, that's what we did all year last year. Yeah, and I, well, you know, and, like, and you got to do that anyway. Yeah. But I mean, I think there might be even more emphasis put on that because you don't really know whether it's going to be a snake heavy field or a D side field. So you're probably going to want a couple if you have the money and the time to do it. You want to set a couple different looks. But ultimately, it's going to come down to fundamentals. And now, because there's, you know, the communication is going to be huge. You know, gun skills are going to be huge because the crutches are being taken away. And I, I just can't wait to see it, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just feel like, you know, you have to have those days of just doing drills. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's going to be far more important now. Our team's even going to fly to other teams to go see how they might play the layout, to see how they feel out. Or a team's going to go fly to other teams just for the challenge. Because if you go practice another pro team now, now it's just to, to test those skills. You know, it's not so much like, oh, you know, you're losing games in practice, but you're learning the field. You know, wins in practice never mean anything, obviously. But, yeah, that doesn't mean you know, anything. like. That's just a pat on the back. Yeah. For yourself. You know, but like now it's, okay, well, you're not going there. Say you lose some games, but you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm learning the field. Now, like, you're going to go, <clears throat> you're not going to fly to another team's field to go learn the field. You're going to fly to another team's field to challenge yourself to be better. Because what it's going to come down to then is is all skills, you know. It, whatever layout that you're practicing on, you're not there to to play that field. You're practice. You're going to practice to beat some other team. I mean, yeah, you would normally do that anyway. But you know, <laughs> the main goal is to go learn the field. Now that's not in play. Then it's we got to go play another team to challenge ourselves to be better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm pretty excited about it, man. I, I can't wait. I kind of let's so I, before we kind of sign off here, we got a little bit more time. Um, I want to read through some of these uh these PB Nation um uh, questions or just thoughts that people had had, and I want you to to either uh you know we can I want us both to weigh in. Um, is what this person's saying rubbish, or does he have a point? All right, okay. so that, that that's going to be the game we're going to play. Um, so I'm just going to start reading some of the, some of these off, and then we can say point or rubbish. Okay. okay. Um, and some of it's going to be some, some, some stuff we've already covered, but I just I want to kind of give the people at home a little feel for uh, these are going to I, I, I kind of cherry pick the, the negative ones mostly. Um, but, you know, and there's some definitely some points here, man. You know, that's a, again, everyone's entitled to the opinion. It's a great thing about being a human being. It's a great thing about having a mind that works. Um, not everyone's opinions are the same, uh, you know, just like that whole all men are created equal. That's complete bullshit. Not all men are created equal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a fallacy. Uh, but so, you know, but, so, but these people, some of these people do have a point. Some of them don't. I want you to be the judge. All right. So okay, all right. let's start taking some of these callers. All right. So number one for, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have time to put their names in. So if you hear your, your, uh, your chiming in of rubbish or either good point, you know, more power to you. All right. So first one. Stop PSP. Stop changing shit every year. That's a, that's the very first one. That's rubbish. You got to change. You got to you got to make changes to see change. If you want the game to evolve and to grow, you got to make some changes. Well, and also, look. If Otherwise, they, you're insane. If yeah, exactly. I mean, first of all, change is inevitable. It's going to happen. Evolution is inevitable. It's just a fact of like being a creature in this particular frame of reality. Um, but also. You know, I feel that, again, these changes were made because uh, I'd heard a lot. Like, the coaching thing was big. The the semi-auto thing, I thought it'd be it's something that I didn't really think, and this kind of goes the whole timid, like, this the guy that was, you know, oh, PSP makes these timid changes. They should just make it across the board. That dude was not thinking uh, – uh, that dude never did a production, you know, and had to spend money on shit and, like, have people, like, paid to do police certain things. Um 
but uh, I mean, I understand like the, you know, cause yeah, it worked last year. What we had last year was, that was a good year for the PSB. So I could see where he's coming from, but I do agree with you that, yeah, dude, if you're expecting the world to never change, I don't know what planet you're living on or where the hell you're from, but that is just not how things work. Just go to YouTube, type in change. Uh, there's going to be lots of songs about <laughs> it. Just listen to a couple of them. All right. Uh, next one. How exactly do they stop spectators from yelling? Well, if we're not going to... Wait, no, hold on. you got to say uh, rubbish or has a point. He has a point. I think he has a point, too. Because people are going to try and cheat the system no matter what. So you know? what, what, is, what does the PSP do, though? Like, how do they police that? Well, first, I think the first thing is, is, you know, you got to appeal to, you know, the got to try and appeal to the people like, hey, if you want to see the, the best, truest game, then don't say anything, which 99% of the time doesn't work because people don't care. They're going to do whatever they want anyway. It's just hammered. But, They've been spent way too much time in the yeah. VIP. Last year, um, you know. The PSP had people standing down in the front and looking up in the stands. I mean, just like they do in any other sporting event. You go to watch a Chargers game, you know, or a, a Lakers game, and there's people standing there that are just facing the crowd, watching, making sure people don't do what they're not supposed to do, throw stuff at the players, uh, you know, run on the field. Like, people are they're going to have to have people stand there yeah. and make sure that they're not saying what and they're that, saying. And if they do, because you have to buy your wristband to get in. And yeah. if you're up there and you're consistently coaching, you know, you might get a warning second time, pull your wristband, you can't come into the Well, the I think that, the, and I think it's going to be a lot harder to police on the, the challengers field than it is on the champions field. Cause the champions field has big stands and you have to pay money to get in to watch that. The challengers field is kind of like more like a, you know, there, there aren't big stands over there. So guys can get a little bit closer on. So that's going to be harder to police. But again, this is why I was really surprised that the PSP was, had the will to make this change. Cause the guys have been calling for years. Like, can we just completely get rid of the coaching I know it's going to be hard to police, but it would be the best thing for the game. So the fact they actually did it, I was like, wow, like, that's because it, you know, that, that guy does have a point. Like, how yeah. do you stop spectators from yelling? But so this was kind of that point that Dan Napoli was making about how if he had said something on the sidelines back in the day, like he would have got, you know, the look and like, hey, dickhead, you well, know, from the people around. He's so one of those one percent of people that care about the integrity of the game, <laughs> you know, yeah. and if there are more people like that, then. Yeah, and maybe we're faster. asking a little. It's going to be tough. It's I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's going to be difficult because then you could be the whole, okay, well, I don't like Dynasty, so I'm going to pretend to coach her Dynasty so they get a penalty. I mean, that's, it's going to be – it's going to, it's not going to – and it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's probably not going to be perfect, like perfected at the first event. I'm just glad it's around and at least the league's giving it a shot. So we'll see. That's, that's definitely going to be tough. All right, let's move on to the next one. All right, so has a point or complete rubbish? The reason they moved coaching and ramping in the first place was because semi and no coaching were too hard to enforce with cheaters and bird dogging, et cetera, being a constant problem. It's arguable that even true semi has never existed in the electronic marker era. This guy has a point. You know, I think that other than the, the last part, the last part is rubbish. And other than that, he has a point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like there, that was the point I was making earlier in the podcast when I was like, somebody had brought this up. This was the one I was talking about yeah, because again, I shot those guns yeah. for sure. There was true semi-auto for years guaranteed. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, but we've, we've definitely seen people, um, you know, break the semi-auto rule and, I think that might have been one of the reasons, like I said before, that the, why they went to the ramping thing to try and do it. But semi-automatic does exist. You know, again, it comes back to, uh, you know, the the powers that be saying we're playing semi-auto. You have to play semi-auto. You know, as long as everybody plays by the rules, then you know they'll be able to do it no problem. 
Yeah. I think it, they'll be able to enforce it too. You know, they used to have the gun that could test, you know, what people are shooting. They could tell when people were shooting fast. You know, there's, there's ways to police it. So. All right. Next one. How does shooting in semi prove that somebody knows how to play? As multiple people have said, most people can hit the rate of fire cap pretty easily in semi. Snap shooting will be pretty much the same. And now there's only one ball in the air. Snap battles will last longer. People will stay alive longer. And we will get some great slow games to watch in silence. Sounds great to me. Uh, that's rubbish. I think it does rubbish too, man. Yeah, really? Like, like, come on, man. Yeah, because really? everybody's going to... Let me get this straight. You don't really think that the ability to run and shoot or sustain a lane or shoot off the break, like, that doesn't have any... Like, no, dude, it's not that easy, man. No. I'm sorry. No. And without your gun immediately kicking into ramping once you hit three balls a second, you know, and then you just have to maintain that, like... If you're truly playing in semi-auto, like you have to make sure that every ball that comes out of your gun, you're aiming. You know, like it's so easy. Like I said before, when it was just fully auto or ramping, just to run to the corner, looking at the corner with your gun facing downfield and just spraying paint. You know, it's going to be much harder. You know, to try and run and shoot. You know, or run out. You know, run out to the corner, shooting back up the middle with a gun that's not ramping. Your gun's not just going to kick in and do the work for you. You know, you have to actually pull the trigger. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that that's the point. You know, you have every shot is going to have an intention behind it, and it's not as easy as everyone thinks to I – mean, it, and also it depends on where they set the cap. Yeah. You know, if they're talking about setting the cap at 10, yeah, it's, it's easier to, to set the cap at 10 and hit that. But, it, you know, you know how the guns sound when someone's on true semi-auto. You know, it's that yeah. kind of – You know, it's not the – that sustained that you get and it's just going to be different man it will be yeah all right personally here's the next one personally i'm sick and tired of the damn psp quit changing shit every single year all things they changed were not issues in my opinion semi and pro seems dumb because we all know very very few pros back in the day didn't have some sort of edge with their guns to shoot hella fast in semi Capping semi, uh, to me, eliminates the all edges of semi. I'm just reading it like the dude wrote it. What do you think? I don't <laughs> even know why we're even asking. Rubbish. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> yeah. I already covered that. Yeah, we already covered that one. Um, how is rate of fire slowing down the game? That's a layout issue. If you're not going to be uh, if you're not able to make big moves or are stuck, then that's a layout issue. If anything, 10.2 should theoretically open up the game since. Uh, since there's less paint in the air. The last few layouts we've seen have pretty much forced teams to go up the middle and just sit there, and it's boring. Rate of fire doesn't seem like it affects the flow of the game all that much. I think he's got a point with the fact that, you know, the rate of fire doesn't uh, affect the game all that much. It's definitely the layouts, you know, when you get out there and you walk a field and you realize that, you know, there's a a ton of bunkers and really small lanes, that's what's going to keep you from shooting people on the break. You know, when it's a wide open field and, you know, whether you're shooting 10 or 12, the fact that you're shooting through bigger gaps or more gaps, that's what allows you to make the games go faster by shooting people on the break and then making moves. Like, I don't think that any sort of rate of fire is going to keep you from being better if you suck. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's the next one. 
Care to explore? Uh, personally, I think that all the rule changes every year makes the sport look like it doesn't know what the hell it's doing. And why would new players want to play a sport where the rule changes dramatically every year? But that's just me. Nobody goes, man, I'm not playing that because you have to tuck your shirt in. I don't tuck shirts in. You know, people just want to play paintball. You know, like paintball is played in a million different ways. People play 5,000 on 5,000 scenario games. People play one-on-ones, two-on-twos, three-on-three events. We're playing five-on-five race to seven. We used to play 10-man. We played seven-man. You know, like you can play in the woods. You can play in a um, uh, on an airball field. I mean, you can go play in a abandoned city at CPX, you know. Like paintball is paintball, however way you look at it. Whether you're standing on one side of the field, somebody's standing on the other, you're shooting paintballs back at a guy, that's what matters. Well, and also, you know, yeah, man, we're going to change things in, as long as they try to make it better. I mean, that, that, that's the thing. I, like, it boggles my mind how some of these PSP haters. How long has the NFL been around? Yeah, well, f- uh, for a long time. Um, the NFL in its current incarnate, I mean, you can almost make the argument that the true pro sport started when they got their first TV deal and all that money came in in 1964. Um, but it's been around longer than that. Yeah, and then Major League Baseball still makes changes occasionally, and that's been around for over a hundred years. NFL made rule changes last year, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's inevitable. So, it's just life, dude. Yeah. Stop with the <laughs> yeah. oh, why did shit? Cha-? It just changes, man. Get used to it. Yeah. And anyone that's bitching about change is well, like is is just complete here's, ridiculous. Here's the perfect it drives example. Drives me crazy. Dude. Here's a perfect example with the NFL. Okay, back in the fifties and sixties. You know, guys weren't 6'6", 250, could run a 4'240", jacked, knock your head off. But that's the way people are now. And if they didn't change the rules to where you could just run up and just cut somebody's head off and just smash somebody or just hit somebody below the knees, like you have all these huge dudes that are just so big and powerful now, they have to change those rules. Otherwise, people are going to die. Look at all the concussions that are happening in football. People are just slamming into each other, knocking people unconscious. You know, I'm sure some of that happened back in the day as well, but the NFL looked at it and went, you know, for what we're trying to put on TV, for the health of our athletes, that we're not going to let people run up and hit somebody in the head with their helmet running full speed at them. We're not going to let you hit somebody below the knee uh, and, you know, break a guy's leg or tear somebody's knee ligaments to shreds. Now you have to hit them with your head up from the waist up and the game's safer, it's better, and people aren't just getting knocked unconscious all over the place. Well, there was a, there was even a call that went um, for the Chargers last week where, and I thought it was a legit hit. Remember? I can't remember the people involved, but guy came over the center. The Darius uh, Green. Yeah, and and that was a legit hit. I mean, hit him with his shoulder. It looked crazy. It looked gnarly, but the NFL has a huge problem with the head injury thing, man. I mean, like, when you look really look at the statistics on head injuries, and it's not just concussions. It's subconcussive blows. Like, any single time that you get hit in the head at all, ever, like, and you get punched, doesn't matter if it, you get a concussion or not, it's causing damage. And you have to pay the price. And the NFL knows this, whether they admit it or not. Like, they're not stupid. They've read all the same stuff, that, all that literature that, that's out there that exists. So people need to get ready for the game to become less violent. Like, you just prepare yourself for that. And yeah. there's going to be a lot of people like, this pussy shit. I can't believe this isn't football. I didn't grow up with this. Like, yeah, I'm not going to watch the NFL anymore. It's like, okay, then don't watch it. But guess what, guys? Like, what you're really demanding when you say that is for that guy to go out there and take – 
irreversible brain damage just for your entertainment. Like, yeah. that's what you're demanding. Yeah. Like, you're basically those people at the Coliseum saying, cut his head off back in the day when the gladiators were going at. That, that's what you want. Like, you want that guy to take irreversible brain damage so you can be like, yeah, that's, that's man shit right there. That's football. Like, yeah, dude, you're right. That is man shit, and that's football. But, like, okay, man, like, just, just read up on it, man. When you read up on it and look, these guys are literally, like, drooling, killing themselves and their family and, like, driving off cliffs because they've gone batshit crazy. And, like, that's reality. Like, that's, yeah. that is what's happening. Yeah. And when we're playing in a 150 by 100 foot rectangle, you know, with guns shooting uh, 20 plus balls a second in 2003, and all of a sudden you get ripped in a, by a lane and, you know, you take four or five balls, six balls, eight balls, somebody bonus balls you, you just wore 15 balls. There were brawls, you know, in 2003, tempers flared, people were pissed, like, after a day of paintball, you know, even if you play a, a really intense game today in today's game, you know, race to seven, um, you know, what are you going to come up with? You know, 10, 20 welts, maybe, you know, like dudes were going home with a hundred welts Dude, a day. No joke. They're in Vegas one year. I sat in, in the shower after the end of the tournament and I counted just from my torso up. I had a hundred welts from my belt line to my head. A hundred welts. I can't, right about a hundred welts. I think it was like 95 or six or something. Like it was, it was a lot. And I just remember thinking like, dude, what are we doing, man? Like this is, this is getting really crazy, but I was still really jazzed and, and had that adrenaline rush from the day and from the yeah. tournament. But that, yeah, that's, that's what it was like, you yeah. know I mean? And, and also like, yeah, dude, like I, I don't know about you, but I've been shot in the head a couple of times that get, made me see stars, you yeah. know, like that, hap that definitely happened a bunch coming mm -hmm. up through the ranks. And so it, it's, it's, things are going to change, man. And like the, the game is constantly going to evolve. Uh, don't be surprised if changes happen next year or the year after that, or we go back to halves or whatever the hell it is, man. It's like. The, the people that run this are going to try to create the best experience for their customers. They're also going to try to try to create the best fertile ground for the game to be exciting, entertaining, to grow. Like, that's just what they're going to try to do. And if it doesn't work, then they'll change it. You know, like, that's just the way it is. Well, I mean, just like the players evolved for football, you know, over the past 10 years, players for paintball have, have evolved as well. You know, back when it was in the woods and it was slow, you know, you had a lot of, of older guys that were out there running around. Everybody could play. You know, the game was a little bit slower. But now that the game has been the, the field is smaller and the guns are faster. You know, look at all the people that play paintball. You see a lot of kids that are getting into paintball now at eight, nine, ten years old. You know, people are, you know, when Oliver Lang turned pro at 17, everybody freaked out. And now you got kids that are 16, 17, knocking on the pro's door like, Yo, I'm ready to go. 15-year-olds jumping in there like, I'm ready to go now. You know, guys are maturing at 10, 11, 12 years old, understanding this game. And, you know, the astute ones that watch the videos and really pay attention to the things that the pros are doing are developing faster. And the age group of the, the talent in the paintball league is, you know, it's, it's getting younger. So this was another thing. Yeah. Things change. Things change, man. Get used to it. Again, it's... <laughs> Is again completely ridiculous for you not to think things are going to change. Uh, this one's this one's kind of one of the things we were talking about. This is, is uh, this is outrageous. I love when the rules are changed constantly by people that don't even play paintball. Way to make this league less fun every year. The next 
one after that was the guy that posted and he said, uh, Roger Goodell, NFL, doesn't play pro football. Bud Selig doesn't play pro baseball. In fact, none of these three, and then he also mentions Brian France from NASCAR. He's like, in fact, none of these three men ever competed in their sports at a high level, if at all. But they set the rules for the leagues. Lane Wright, on the other hand, has played pro paintball. I don't know if he plays much these days, but he played at a higher level than most of us ever will, just food for thought. That's a good point, man. You know, like, yeah. I think that gets lost a lot. Like, guys think that, you know, Dave Youngblood and Lane and the other guys from the PSP sit up in their ivory tower and just make these arbitrary decisions without thinking them through, which is complete and utter bullshit. And it drives me crazy. I think this is a perfect example for our sport because everybody that's involved in paintball has played paintball. I don't think anybody has wandered in and bet that has never played paintball and tried to have some sort of say or has any say in what we've done. Everybody like paintball has evolved from the players creating this. Like we are, we are so young in this sport. You know, everything that you're seeing happening now is because people who have played paintball for a really long time have come up and been like, you know, it'd be cool if we did this, you know, it'd be cool if we did this, you know, it'd be cool if, if we had a tournament and all the bunkers were inflatable and then we had spectators and then we, we bought some cameras and then put it online so people could watch it. Like that's all come from paintball people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's where we need to look at this, man. And I've said this to many pro players and I'll say this to everyone out there right now. Like look around at the people within your immediate realm, like realm of influence. And essentially, dude, Red Bull is not hitting us up, offering us millions of dollars. DirecTV is not coming in saying, like, we want to pay you guys a billion dollars to put your content on television. Like, the people that we have in this sport, that's who we have to try to take this to another level. There's a thing that, like, Marcelo posted, uh, you know, a thing talking about on his Facebook page, Marcelo Margot from the Ironman, and he was talking about how he likes the changes and stuff. And he was, you know, he got a little eloquent with it. And then, um, you know, most people were supportive. And again, dude, everyone's entitled to the opinion, you know. And I, I do get where some of the divisional guys are coming from. It changes things up. I, at the end of the day, though, whatever, man. Don't be a coward. So what, you have to play in a different field in the finals. You know, just go out and try to beat that other team. They have to do the same thing you have to do. But so this guy was saying, speaking of what we're saying, he's like, I like the rule changes. Kind of a bummer that I won't get to see in an action since I refuse to pay to watch paintball. I pay my cable bill so I can watch football. I should be able to pay my internet bill to be able to watch paintball. Uh, rubbish. Jesus Christ, man. Like, that is so far out of the realm of how shit works that it, it <laughs> my head's about to explode, dude. Like, the cable companies, DirecTV alone, uh, it's a four-year deal, I believe. It's either four or five-year deal. They pay, just DirecTV alone, plays the, pays the NFL. How much? A billion dollars a year. How much? A billion with a B. A billion. They pay them a billion dollars to the league per year. That's just DirecTV. So that's not counting all the other money they make just so that they can air the NFL's content on, on that. So you pay your cable company money to have the right to watch those NFL games. And then DirecTV, your cable company, or whoever the hell it is, whoever they're affiliated with, Time Warner or whatever, then you know, AT&T, then they pay the NFL so they can put that stuff on. PBA pays the pays a broadband company to have our stuff on the internet. The internet does not pay us to put the put the stuff out there. We pay the internet. You know, like fucking drives me crazy, man. Like that is not how it works. And if you want to watch it free, cool. You're not helping, but awesome. You can watch it on YouTube a couple weeks after the event happens, and please share it on your Facebook. But like that's the that's the shit that drives me crazy, man. Like that is. The, the internet's you can just go on the internet and start Googling around, like, how the UFC makes money, how the NFL makes money. Like, the, the stuff's trackable, man. You can look at how these companies and these big institutional sports have got that way. We're not there. And no one, no gift 
no angel is going to descend from the heavens, like I always say, and just bestow us with some badass TV deal. Look around. The people around, that's who we have to work with. And the PSP is, you know, do they always make... It, it, are they, you know, are they infallible? No, nobody is. But do they have the best league in the world? Yes, they do. And that's where the best competition is. And there's tons of teams that go to play there. So, you know, and, and if you have ideas and concepts, like, we can change things, but let's do it the right way, you know? Like, so, that, I don't know, that just drove me crazy, dude, when I was looking at it earlier. Sorry I went on a rant, but I just couldn't help it. It's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, We're man, here for I, you, Manny. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just frustrating because – it's up to us to pull this off. And when I see shit like that, it just drives me just crazy because like you're literally, I should be able to pay my internet bill and watch paintball. Like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Like, no, that's not how it works, dude. Like, come on, man. You're not helping. You're making it worse. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, so those are the changes for the year. And uh, we're going to have another podcast next week with uh, Ryan Greenspan, if he's available. He's Mr. World Traveler. Another world traveler, uh, Marcelo, who we were just talking about. Um, he's also, so hopefully we're going to have Marcelo and Ryan in the studio as well, too, to further discuss these changes and uh, the crazy lives that they've been, you know, Ryan's been all over. He's been to Mexico and fed some kids at an orphanage or some taught a clinic, and Marcelo went to Australia, and they've been all over. So we're going to pick their brains about the Ironman and Dynasty next year, how they feel about the changes. Um, and also, so uh, we're going to be, you're, you'll see it on PBA's uh, Facebook and Instagram, but we're going to be having you guys submit questions uh, to have us answer. Um, so get ready for that next week. And uh, so, yeah, Todd, man, thank you for sitting in. Any final thoughts other than buy Raza stuff? No, I mean, if anybody has any questions too, I mean, you can find me on Twitter, you know, at Todd Martinez. You know, feel free to ask questions. I'll give you straight up answers. You know, I mean, my Twitter is littered with shoe pictures and me complaining about stuff. But, <laughs> you know, I'd be more than happy to answer your questions um, anytime. So, I mean, I'm excited for the new year. Um, I think these rule changes are going to be great. And, uh, you know, the way that the teams are stacking up, I mean, it's yeah, still an early sure. off season. There's still tons of talent out there just waiting to be scooped up. And I cannot wait to see the rest of the moves unfold as far as the rosters go with all these pro teams. But the way that these, some of these teams have been stacking up right now, I think we get are again in store is going to be one of the best years that we have seen for the level of competition for professional paintball. It is only getting better. Teams are stacking up. Talent is increasing. And I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be yeah. so much fun to watch. I cannot wait to see how things are going to pan out. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, there's next year's going to be sweet. Um, and then also who, who's going to step to fill the shoes, step up to fill the shoes of the teams that have left you know, we hear AC Dallas is looking to make a move up into the semi-pro, or not, sorry, not semi-pro, but the challengers division um, to try to get into the champs. Uh, potentially could see Collision get in there. Maybe the Trade My Gun All-Stars will step up too, or I'm sorry, Outlaws will step up as well. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, man. It's definitely going to be an interesting year. And we've already seen those big moves made by Impact right out the gate. You know, is Damage going to pick up anybody? They got two players taken from them. You know, what are the Ironmen going to do? Uh, you know, I, it's, it's going to be, an, like you said, another interesting year. Do you, have, are you, do you have any more interest in coaching? Or have you talked to anybody or any news you want to drop? Or still no. kind, of, kind of chilling on it? Still just kind of posted. It's posted like the mailbox. Nice. Um, some wanna... of my vicious players are still out there, though. Yeah, who's... got to scoop some of them dudes Trevor up? Reeser. Who's Reeser going to play for? I don't know. Don't he know don't yet. know. Man, Reeser doesn't have a team yet. Some of these guys said that they don't want to play anymore, but 
I think that they should. Got a lot of talent sitting there. Yeah. You know, I talked to Alex Borromeo the other day. You know, he's talking to a couple teams, trying to figure out what he wants to do. You know, I know Nate Schrader still wants to play. We shall see. I don't know. Like I, I said, there's a lot of talent out there. Is Alex still from the Pacific uh, yeah. Northwest too? Mm-hmm. So, so Nate moved back there, and Alex is up there. Yep. And Corey Field needs to pick those dudes. That's up. what I said. <laughs> if Corey could get Alex and Nate with the team that he built, that we saw at World Cup, with a lot of the guys coming back and some of those younger studs that they're getting, they that could be legit team. Dude. I think so as well. That would be. I know there's that weird. Every area of the world has some really strange, like, oh, we don't like these guys because of whatever, or some other different camps, but. I don't even know what's going on, but we probably should figure it out from Corey. But uh, I mean, that would be that would be pretty cool to see. That'd be cool. Yeah, it would be cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, lots more info coming at you here in the off season as we progress towards the 2015 season. First event will be in Dallas. The uh, um, haven't put the schedule out yet. That was another one that was driving me crazy. Is somebody was like, "Oh, so the PSP can release these changes, but they can't put." the goddamn schedule out yet it's like yeah dude in order to put the schedule like again man like it's infrastructure stuff to put the schedule out you have to solidify deals with the location owners you have to figure out when exactly the best time at the year to put that is we had some problems last year with rain so think about moving i mean there's there's stuff that goes into that and they're working on it just haven't figured it out yet so we'll get the schedule from the PSP whenever they can, you know, solidify those deals. But uh, so when we figure that out, we'll let you guys know. And like I said, we're going to be having another uh, podcast next week with uh, hopefully Ryan Greenspan if he's in town. Definitely going to have Marcelo in there. And yeah, man. And we'll and again, uh, you know, submit your questions online uh, to ask either Ryan, Marcelo, or myself. And uh, yeah, dude, crazy year is setting it up. PSP blowing up and some crazy changes so yeah. i'm stoked on it man i think this is great this is more pure game this is what it's supposed to be so guys thank you guys for tuning in to the real deal podcast i'm eddie marshall help us spread the paintball gospel and we'll see you guys next time